Chapter Eight of Doctor Nicholas' Experiment by Guy Boothby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. When we had returned to the corridor below the battlements after our search for the man who had lowered himself down to the window of the hall, Nicola brought with him the soft felt hat I had observed upon the head of that villainous Chinaman Kwong Ma that morning. Though neither of us was altogether surprised at finding that he was the man we suspected of being in the castle, we were none the more pleased at having our suspicions confirmed. The thing which puzzled us most, however, was how he had obtained admission. Seeing that he had not been in sight when I had entered the castle that morning, that I had informed Nicola of my meeting with him within five minutes of my arrival, and that the drawbridge had been raised, if not at once, certainly within a quarter of an hour of making my report and yet it was plain that he had been upon the battlements that he was in the castle and that his being there boded no good was as apparent as his presence i always knew they had original ideas said nikola but i had no idea that they were as clever as this we shall have to be very careful what we do for the future for from what i know of them they would stick at nothing tomorrow morning we must search the castle from dungeon to turret and if we find them in that case said nikola i fancy i know a way of dealing with them donna consuelo locks her door at night i suppose i informed him that i had advised her to do so it would be better that we should make certain he answered and proceeding to the door in question he softly turned the handle it was securely fastened from the inside seems all right said nikola now we will return to our own quarters and make everything secure there we did as suggested and when everything was made fast to securely lock the door in the corridor behind us reaching the hall once more we made a careful survey of the various rooms including not only the apartments leading out of it but also the passage leading to our wind's quarters no sign however of the man we wanted was to be seen there returning to the hall we assured ourselves that our patient was still sleeping quietly and then I bade Nicola good night and prepared to go to my room. I should advise you to lock your door, he said as we parted. You cannot take too many precautions when Kong Ma and his companion are about. Shall I require your assistance during the night? I will ring for you. I promised to answer his call immediately and was about to turn away when it occurred to me to ask him a question to which he had promised me an answer upwards of a month before. On the night that we left Newcastle, I said, you were kind enough to say that when a fitting opportunity occurred to you, you would tell me what has induced these men to follow you as they are doing. There is no reason why you should not hear it, Nicola replied. To tell it in full, however, would be too long a story, but I will briefly summarise it for you. In order to obtain the information necessary for carrying out the experiment upon which we are now engaged, I penetrated, as I think I have already informed you, into a certain monastery situated in the least known portion of Thibet. My companion and I carried our lives in our hands, if ever men have done so in the history of the world. The better to carry out my scheme, I might explain, I impersonated a high official who had lately been elected one of the rulers of the order. At a most unfortunate moment, the fraud was discovered, and my companion and I were ordered to be hurled from the roof of the monastery into the precipice below we managed to escape however but not before i had secured 
the precious secret for which i had risked so much the monks traced us on our journey back to civilization and two of the order who have had special experience in this sort of work were detailed to follow us in the hope that they might not only regain possession of a book which contained the secret but at the same time revenge the insult which had been offered to them and you still have the book would you care to see it asked nikola i replied that i should like to immensely whereupon he retired to his own apartment to presently return bringing with him a small packet which he placed upon the table untying the string which bound it and removing a sheet of thin leather he exposed to my gaze a small book possibly eight inches long by four wide the materials in which it was bound were almost dropping apart with age the backs and corners however were clamped with rusty iron the interior was filled with writing in the sanskrit character a great deal of which had faded and was barely decipherable i took it tenderly in my hands and it is to regain possession of this book that these men are following you i asked do that he answered and to punish me for the trick i played on them they have not however accomplished their task yet nor shall they do so if i can help it let me once get hold of kwong ma and he'll do no more mischief for some time to come as nicola said this his great cat which for the past few moments had been sitting upon his knees suddenly stood up and placed its forepaws upon the table scratched at the cloth nicola was watching my face and what he saw there must have considerably amused him you are thinking that apollyon and i are not unlike when we get out our claws we are dangerous it would be well for our chinese friend if he understood as much now you'd better be off to bed and i to my watch when nikola relieved me at eight o'clock the morning following it was plain that there was something important toward get your breakfast as soon as you can he said and when you have done we will search the castle you heard nothing suspicious during your watch i suppose nothing i replied everything has gone just as usual as soon as i had finished my breakfast our wind summoned me and together we set off on our errand beginning with the battlements we took the castle corridor by corridor floor by floor examining every corner and staircase in which it could be possible for a human being to hide himself having exhausted the inhabited portion of the building we searched the rooms into which no one had penetrated from year's end to year's end these we also drew blank then descending another flight of stairs we reached the basement explored the great kitchens once so busy and now tenanted only by rats and beetles and examined the various domestic offices including the buttery and armoury still without success if Kongma was in the castle it looked as if he must certainly possess the power of rendering himself invisible at will at last we reached the keep where the old couple who as nikola had said officiated as caretakers during his absence had their quarters at the moment of our arrival the woman was bitterly upbraiding her husband for some misdeed i'll tell ee she said slapping the table with her hand to emphasize her words that when i went to bed last night they vitals was in yonder cupboard what i want ee to say is where they be now don't he say he never saw them or that it was the cat as stole them he may talk till he be black in the face and i'll not believe he cats don't turn handles and undo latches and mutton don't walk out the front door on its own leg if he be a man he'll tell the truth and shame the devil 
i must leave you to picture for yourself the vehemence with which all of this was said the words poured from her throat in a torrent and every sentence was punctuated with slaps upon the table so engaged were they in their quarrel that some moments elapsed before they perceived nikola and myself standing in the doorway when they did the tumult ceased as if by magic you seem to be enjoying yourselves said nikola dryly perhaps you'll be kind enough to tell me what it's all about he had no sooner finished than the irate lady recommenced it's just this way my lord she said though why she should have bestowed a title upon nikola i could not understand last night i was troubled with rheumatism mortal bad went to bed early the old man there begging your pardon for the liberty i'm taking was a-sitting by the fire smoking his pipe such as being his custom of an evening he'd had his supper as i seed with my own eyes when he finished there was an end leg of mutton in yon cupboard when it comes this morning i take it out for breakfast it's gone and with it the bread as i baked with my own hands but yesterday and he stands there saving your presence my lord and wants for i to believe how he's not touched it and the latch of the cupboard down as you can see for yourselves honourable gentlemen both with your own eyes i've been married these three and forty years and i don't know as how you'll believe it my lord seeing that she was getting up steam once more nikola held his hand up to her to be silent what you tell me is very interesting he said fixing his dark eyes upon her but let me understand you properly you say you went to bed leaving your husband smoking his pipe in this room before retiring you convinced yourself that the food which is now not forthcoming was in the cupboard is that so yes my lord and honourable gentlemen both and addressing her husband nikola continued i suppose you went to sleep over your pipe the question had to be repeated and his wife had to admonish him with speak up to his lordship like a man before he could answer even then his reply was scarcely satisfactory he thought he might have fallen asleep but he was not at all sure upon the point he admitted that he was in the habit of doing so and as far as nikola was concerned this settled the matter kwong ma he said turning to me now i understand where he gets his food from and turning to the woman he said your husband is a heavy sleeper i suppose why bless you sir she replied he sleeps that heavy you can't wake him as for snoring why the rattling of that old bridge out yonder when they're a drawing of it up ain't to be compared with him as the saying is i did hear of a man that lived down sunderland as did snore so that when he woke up the folks next door sent in to ask him to go on again the stillness being that lonesome they couldn't bear it nikola peremptorily made the old woman to be silent and ordered her for the future to see that her door was locked at dusk every evening and addressing her husband he inquired if the latter was conversant with the subterranean passages of the castle and when he had replied in the affirmative bade him light a lantern and show us all he could the man did so and having conducted us across the courtyard entered a long low chamber which might once have been used as a bakehouse in this was a large wooden door secured with many bolts but now fallen into considerable disrepair these bolts he drew one by one with an air of importance that was indescribably comic i don't quite understand how these bolts come to be fastened if the man is down below said nikola addressing me i shook my head whereupon he bade the old man inform him whether there were any other entrances to the vaults in question lor sir the man replied the castle be fair maze with them if he likes the place i can take me to most any room in the place from down below 
I should have thought of that, said Nicola more to himself than to me. I'm sorry I didn't question our friend here before Quang Ma had evidently mastered the situation and is playing a game of hide-and-seek. However, we'll examine the dungeons first and the passages afterwards. So lead the way, my friend. The old man going ahead carrying the lantern, Nicola following, and Arwin and myself bringing up the rear. We made our way down the clammy stone staircase into the subterranean portion of the castle. It was an experience that would have been worth anything to a novelist seeking colour for a historical tale. But knowing what I did about the man we were after, I cannot say that I appreciated the incident so much. In addition to my nervousness, my head was aching, while hot and cold perspirations alternately contributed to my general discomfort. What was the matter with me? I could not think as it was. I was the only member of the party, I believe, who felt any symptoms of fright. The old man with the lantern knew nothing of his danger. Arwin was an Asiatic and a fatalist, and in his master's presence appeared not to care whom or what he faced. While as for Nicola himself, I believe most implicitly, that cold-blooded individual would have faced certain death as coolly and as contentedly as he would have tossed off a glass of wine. Lower and lower we descended glancing into dungeons which no light of day had ever penetrated, and stooping to make our way along passages in which the moisture from the roof fell, drip, 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 upon our heads. Search as we would, however, we could discover no trace of that villainous celestial. We'd be close down along the sea now, your lordship, said the old man, and when I tells thee that it's summat not many folks as bided in this here castle ever knowed. Most admirable of men, said Nicola. You're telling me exactly what I want to know. Do you mean that it's possible for us to reach the sea from where we are now standing without crossing the drawbridge? That's exactly what I do mean, my lord, he answered. And if your lordship and the honourable gentleman will come with I, I'll let you see for yourselves. Forthwith, the old fellow, holding his lantern aloft, turned down a narrow passage leading to the right, and a few minutes later brought us up some steps at the bottom of which the light of day could be plainly seen. To reach the bottom of the steps was a work of a moment, and once there a curious scene was revealed to us. A doorway opened into the chasm which I have described earlier, and was situated almost directly beneath the drawbridge in the keep. Kneeling down, Nicola and I looked over the edge and could plainly see a number of iron steps let into the rock, one above the other. At the bottom, for it was now a full tide, the sea washed and dashed with terrific force. Rising to his feet again, Nicola addressed the old man. Is it possible at low tide, he said, to reach the sands from here? Lord bless you, sir, the man replied. When the tide is down, he can get along from rock to rock without as much as wetting shoe leather. That accounts for everything, said Nicola, with considerable satisfaction. I understand exactly how Kwong Ma got into the castle now. He must have laughed to himself when he saw that we had raised the drawbridge in the hope of keeping him out. However, forewarned is forearmed, and this place shall be bricked up this morning. You, my old friend, had better see to it, and be sure that you make a good job of it. The old man promised to do so, and seeing that there was nothing further to be gained by remaining where we were, Nicola bade him conduct us back again to our own portion of the building by a secret passage, if possible. The man assured us that we could do so, and was as good as his word. He climbed, crawled, and scrambled away up the narrow steps along a rabbit warren 
of a small passage behind our guide. At last he stopped. Would your lordship be kind enough to say where he think ye are now? He said. I have not the least notion, said Nicola. Nor I, I added. Well, sir, I will show ye. And the man, after a little hunting, he found and pressed something on the wall. There was a grating noise, as a sound of rusty hinges being slowly unfolded, and a portion of the wall swung outward, and we found ourselves standing at the top of the great staircase, within a few yards of Consuelo's apartments. This is uncanny, to say the least of it, remarked Nicola. Pray, do any of these interesting passages open up into the young lady's room opposite, or into the smaller hall occupied by this gentleman and myself? Not now, my lord, the man replied. Time was when they did, but the old lord didn't take kindly to them, and they was bricked up as much as five year ago. I'm glad to hear it, said Nicola, and you may imagine that I echoed the sentiment. Nicola thereupon thanked the old man and dismissed him, at the same time reiterating his order that the opening in the chasm below the drawbridge should be made secure. The excitement of the search for Quang Ma and the damp of the passages had been too much for me, and by the time we reached the hall I could scarcely stand. Good heavens, Ingleby, said Nicola as I dropped into a chair. You're looking awfully ill. What's the matter? Can't exactly say, I answered. I fear I must have caught a chill on the battlements last night. And yet you accompanied me down those damp passages this morning. Was that wise? I was not going to let you go alone, I replied. He glanced sharply at me, as if he would read my thoughts. Well, well, I'll tell you what you must do. You must be off to bed at once. There can be no doubt about that. I tried to protest. I explained my desire to see the end of the experiment. But Nicola was adamant. To bed I must go, willy-nilly. And to bed I accordingly went. But not in my own room off the hall. The apartment further down the corridor, next door to that occupied by Consuelo, was arranged for me and when i was safely between the blankets nicola prescribed for me and my sweetheart was duly installed as nurse my indisposition must have been more severe than i had supposed for before nightfall i was in a high state of fever and by midnight was delirious i remember nothing further till i opened my eyes and found consuelo sitting by my side what does this mean i inquired surprised to find her there it means that you have been very ill, she answered, and that I am your nurse, and I am not going to permit you to talk very much. To do this was a feat of which I was incapable, but I was not going to be silent until I had learnt something of what had happened. How long have I been ill? I inquired. More than a week, she answered, and then added, You naughty boy, you little know what a fright you have given me, but you must not talk any more, or Dr. Nicola will be angry. She poured out some medicine for me, bade me drink it, and then reseated herself beside me. In five minutes I was wrapped in a heavy slumber, from which I did not wake for several hours. When I did, I found Dr. Nicola installed as nurse. Consuelo had disappeared. Well, Ingleby, said Nicola cheerily as he felt my pulse, you have had a sharp bout of it, but I'm glad to see we've managed to pull you through. How do you feel in yourself? Much better, I answered, though still a bit shaky. I don't wonder at it, he said. Do you feel hungry? I feel as if I could eat anything, I answered. Well, that's a good sign. I'll see that something is sent to you. In the meanwhile, keep as quiet as possible. When I leave you, I'll send your sweetheart to you. She's been a devoted nurse, and between ourselves, I rather fancy you owe your life to her. God bless her, I answered fervently. But you call her my sweetheart. What do you mean by that? My dear fellow, I know everything. One night the young lady in question was rather concerned about you. 
and in her agitation she allowed the cat to slip out of the bag you young people seem to have managed the matter pretty well in the short time you've known each other now keep quiet for a few moments while i see if i can find her he was making for the door when i stopped him you've not told me how the don is i said how does the experiment progress his face clouded over it has proved successfully answered but with a sudden sternness that surprised me it was for all the worlds if he were trying to convince me what he said was correct although in his own heart he knew it was not so when he spoke again it was very slowly yes ingleby he said as if he were weighing every word before he uttered it the experiment has proved a success i have made the don a young man but well to tell the truth i have made a mistake in my calculations a mistake that i cannot explain and that i can in no way account for and the result don't ask me he said for i am afraid i do not know myself by the time you are on your feet again i shall hope to have come nearer an understanding of the situation then i shall be able to tell you more of what i hope and fear at present i scarcely like to think of it myself to my surprise as i watched him i saw great beads of perspiration start out upon his forehead and for the first time since i had known him i saw a look of terror in dr nicholas's face i tried to question him further upon the subject but he bade me wait until i was stronger but presently repeating that he would find consuelo he left me when my sweetheart entered the room looking more beautiful than i had ever seen her i forgot for the time being about nicola you are looking much better she said as she came toward me and put down upon the table the tray she carried in her hand here is some beef tea which i have made for you myself if you don't drink it all up i shall let the old woman in the kitchen make it for you in the future and bring it to you herself you'd better not i answered in that case i should refuse to touch a drop of it and should die of slow starvation in consequence with a gentleness that was infinitely becoming to her she lifted my head and held the cup while i drank if i took longer over it than i should have done at any other time the fact must of course be attributed to my weakness dr nicholas says he is very pleased with the progress you have made she said when she had replaced the cup upon the table but you are to be kept very quiet for some days and to sleep as much as possible and when am i to get up i asked get up she cried in mock horror you must not even think of such a thing for a week at least a week i replied do you think i have to stay here for a week so dr nicholas says the remainder of our conversation is too sacred to be set down in cold drawn type let it suffice that when i fell asleep again it was with her hand in mine i was more in love even than i had been before as consuelo had predicted more than a week had elapsed before i was permitted to leave my room even then i was not allowed to return to my duties at once but spent the greater portion of my time with consuelo on the battlements gaining strength with every breath of sea air that i inhaled nicola i saw but little of he examined me every morning on one or two occasions honoured us with his company for a brief period on the castle roof at the best of times however he was not a good companion he was invariably absorbed in his own thoughts spoke but a little and struck me as being very anxious to say good-bye almost as soon as he arrived since then i have learned the true reason of it all and i have been able to see that complex character in a new light it never struck me how lonely the man's life must be during the whole time that i was associated with him i never once heard him speak of kith or kin friends he appeared to have none 
while his acquaintances numbered only such men as were necessary to the particular work he happened to be engaged in at the moment of their meeting his very attainments his peculiar knowledge of the world of its under and mystic side was sufficient to make him hold aloof from his fellow men in all matters of comfort a rigid ascetic the good things of life had no temptation for him to sum it all up of this i feel certain so certain that at times it becomes almost a pain that nikola with all his sternness his self-denial his genius and his failings hungered for one thing and that was to be loved why should i say this considering that the only evidence i have to offer tends to lead one's thoughts in a contrary direction i do not know but as i remarked just now i feel convinced that my hypothesis is a correct one as i am that that i love consuelo but to return to my story it was not until nearly a fortnight had elapsed since my return to consciousness that i was permitted to take up my duties again when i did i returned to my old quarters leading out of the hall and i think nikola was pleased once more to have my cooperation at any rate he led me to suppose that he was when you think that you're up to the mark i shall be pleased to show you the don he said and to hear your opinion of him i expressed myself as being quite equal to seeing him at once very good he answered but i warn you to be prepared for a great and somewhat unpleasant change in the man so saying he led me across the hall towards the room in which i had before my illness spent so many hours inserting the key in the lock he turned it and we entered i had expected to find it exactly as i had last seen it a surprise however was in store for me the bed placed in the centre was gone as were both the electrical appliances the clock and the thermometers had been removed the only things that still remained being the electric lights which suspended from the ceiling and the enclosed fixtures for regulating the supply of hot and cold air in point of fact it was a bare room as well as could be imagined don miguel said nikola i have brought an old friend to see you i looked about the room but for a moment could see nothing of the old man in question then my eye lighted upon what looked like a heap of clothes huddled up on the mattress in the corner on hearing nikola's voice the face looked up at me a face so terrible so demoniacal that i might say that it involuntarily shrank from it what there was about it that caused me such revulsion i cannot say it was the countenance of a young man if you can imagine a man endowed with perpetual youth and with that youth the cunning the cruelty and the vice of countless centuries steady my friend i heard nikola say and as he did so he placed his hand upon my arm remember ingleby this is nothing more than an experiment then addressing the crouching figure he bade him stand up with a snarl like that of a dog or rather a wild beast who is compelled to do a thing very much against his will the man obeyed i was able then to take better stock of him accustomed as i was to the old don's face i found it difficult to realize that the healthy vigorous man standing before me was he and yet i had only to look at him carefully to have all the doubt upon the subject removed he was the same and yet not the same at any rate he was an illustration of the marvellous nay the almost unbelievable success of nikola's experiment you remember the don as he was and you can see to what i have been able to bring him said nikola sadly and for the one moment without a trace of triumph this however was soon forthcoming out of an old man tottering on the brink of the grave i have manufactured a young and vigorous creature such as you now see before you 
i have made him i have transformed him i have subjected nature to science i have revolutionized the world abolished death and upset the teachings and essential ideas of all religions i have proved that old age can be prevented and that the grave defied and and i have failed under the intensity of his emotion his voice broke and something very like a sob burst from him never since had i known nikola had i seen him as he was then to all appearances he was well-nigh broken-hearted if you have done all this i asked how can you say that you have failed are you so blind that you cannot see he answered examine the man for yourself and you'll find that he is a human being in animal life only i've given him back his youth his strength his enjoyment in living but i cannot give him back his mind in his body i have triumphed in his brain i have completely failed but can it not be set right i inquired is the case quite hopeless nothing is hopeless he answered but it will take years centuries perhaps at work to find the secret i thought when i built up the body i should be building up the brain as well it was not so in proportion as his body renewed its youth his brain shrunk let me give you an illustration he went forwards towards the man who was now once more crouching upon the floor watching us over his right shoulder as if he were afraid we were going to do him harm well miguel said nikola patting him upon the head and speaking to him in the same tone he would have used to a favourite monkey how is it with you to-day the man however took no notice but bending down played with the lace of nikola's shoe now and again looking swiftly up into his face as if he dreaded a blow and as swiftly looking away again this should prove to you what i mean said nikola addressing me in his present condition he is less than a man and yet where would you find a finer frame his heart his lungs his constitution are all perfect while he had been speaking he had turned his back upon the beast upon the floor and as he uttered the last words he moved towards me he had not taken a step however before the don was half off his feet from childish idiocy his expression had changed until it was a fiendish malignity that surpasses all description in words in another moment he would have thrown himself on nikola as it was he glared at him until he turned when in an instant the wild expression was gone and he was crouching upon the floor once more picking at his fingers and smiling to himself you can see for yourself what he is said nikola an imbecile but for one ray of hope i should despair of him there is then a ray of hope i said eagerly clutching him like a drowning man at the straw he held out thank god for that there is a ray he answered but it's a very little one i'll give you an example turning to the wretched creature on the floor he extended his hands towards him and gradually lifting it bade him rise the effect was instantaneous the man rose little by little until he stood upright once more pointing his hand directly at him nikola moved towards him until the points of his fingers were scarcely an inch from the other's eyes and slowly raising his fingers he made an upward and downward pass the eyes closed and the man still remained rigid against the wall turning to me nikola said you can see for yourself that he is absolutely under my influence and control i approached and made a careful examination there could be no doubt about his condition it was one of the hypnotic coma and on raising one of the eyelids i found the ball turned upwards and wandering in its orbit you are satisfied inquired nikola perfectly I answered in that case let us proceed to whom am i speaking asked nikola addressing the man before him 
to Miguel de Moreno was the answer, given in a perfectly clear and strong voice, and without apparent hesitation. Do you know where you are? I am with Dr. Nicola. Before you came to me, with whom and where did you live? I live with my great-granddaughter in Cadiz. Have you any recollection of coming to England? I remember it perfectly. Now lie down upon that mattress and sleep without waking till eight o'clock tomorrow morning. The man did as he was ordered, without hesitation. Nicola covered him with the blankets, and as soon as we had made sure of his safety, we left the room, carefully locking the door afterwards. You could have no idea, Ingleby, what a disappointment this has been to me. Three times before I have tried and failed, but this time I made sure I had success within my grasp. I progress further now than I have ever done before, it is true, but it is the brain that has beaten me. As long as I live, I will persevere, and the perfect man who shall retain his youth through all ages shall eventually walk the earth. Now, good night. He held out his hand to me. As I shook it, Apollyon came up and rubbed him against my leg, as if to show that he, too, appreciated my sympathy. It struck me that I had heard nothing of our friend Kwong Ma since we had searched the subterranean portion of the castle for him. I asked Nicola if he had anything to tell me concerning him. Nothing, he answered saving that last night I felt certain that I saw a man across the courtyard. It was just before midnight. The moon was about the building, and I am ready to stake anything that I am not deceived. But who could it have been? That's exactly what I want to know, he answered. You were safe in bed and asleep. It was not the caretaker, for I tried his door and found it locked. And from the sound that greeted me, I had good proof it was not he. But might it not have been our win? I asked. I thought so. Before going in search of the figure, I hastened to his room, only to find him asleep. In that case, it must have been Kwong Ma. But how does the fellow live, and why does he not strike? Because he has not yet found his opportunity. When he does, you may be sure he will avail himself of it. And once more, good night. You need not trouble about our patient. I shall take a look at him about midnight. Good night, I said, and went to my room, the door of which I carefully locked. My last waking thoughts were of Consuelo, and my speculations to what her feelings would be when she realised the terrible change that had taken place in her great-grandfather was sufficient to give me a nightmare. Over and over again I was afflicted with the most horrible dreams, and when I was roused by a loud thumping on my door, and Nicola's voice calling for admittance, it seemed so much part and parcel of the horror my brain had just pictured for me that for a moment i took no notice of it it sounded again so springing from my bed i ran to the door and opened it what's the matter i asked when he was standing before me his usual pale face was now ghastly in its whiteness good heavens man he cried you have no notion what has happened dress yourself immediately and come with me he sat upon my bed while i huddled my clothes on and then when i was ready he seized me by the wrist and half dragged me half led me into the hall once there, he pointed to the figure of a man stretched out before the door. It was Ah Wynne, and his throat was cut from ear to ear. The sight was so sudden and so totally unexpected, it was almost too much for me. Covering my presence of mind, however, I knelt down and examined him. Look at his hands, said Nicola. They are cut to the bone with some sharp-bladed instrument. The murderer must have come here in search of me. Ah Wynne must have met him tried to prevent him reaching the door and was unable to warn us and so have met his fate we were both too much overcome to continue the discussion 
Kong Ma had struck at last. End of chapter 8